It's the Red Maryland segment with Greg Klein, covering all things political in the old line state, here on 92.7 WGMD, WGMD.com, and the WGMD app. All right, 750 is the time. Greg Klein joining us on the Backyard Works Newsmaker Line. I do want to make mention before we go to Greg that uh, Delmarva Power, I'll check the other outage maps as well. Delmarva Power is reporting 2,338 without power. Several different outages in the Oak Orchard area of Sussex County near Long Neck. And there may be others. I'll check DEC and see uh, what uh, issues they may have as well. Uh, but that's something that we'll uh, we'll work on a story. We'll work on and hopefully get you information at the top of the hour uh, with uh, Rob Petrie. All right. Uh, Greg Klein joining us on the Backyard Works Newsmaker Line. Is all our guests joining us on the Backyard Works Newsmaker Line. Uh, Greg, good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. And first and foremost, I hope you and your family and, and friends are, are well. I don't know. Uh, hopefully you don't know of anybody that's dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, I, I don't. We're all, you know, in full compliance with the governor's edicts and uh, staying at home and doing what we can. Uh, luckily, I work in an essential business, uh, which feels good, I guess. But <laughs> I'm in the office here by myself, um, and we're all doing well, and I hope everybody listening is as well. Yeah. Uh, Greg, uh, I know one of the aspects that, that I was listening to our, our segment last week, I was listening to it, I know one of the areas that you wanted to cover that we didn't get a chance to last week had to do with how elections in the old line state are affected by the state of emergency with these uh, shutdowns and, and the stay-in-place order. Yeah, I mean, there's some real confusion going on, uh, you know, because – Originally, we were supposed to have a primary election in April, uh, later this month, and that got postponed till June, with the exception of the special election that we talked about for the 7th Congressional District, because the governor rightly, I think, wanted to make sure that that vacancy got filled as soon as possible. So that general elect special election is going to go on in, in April. There's a lot of confusion about how that's going to go forward. Uh, it's going to be mail-in only for this April special election, and there's a lot of confusion how that's going to work. There's some question as to whether that's even legal under certain, um, you know, disability requirements. Um, Interesting. And the election in June, the State Board of Elections had a meeting and had a vote. We talked about it at Red Maryland last week. Uh, they want that to be all uh, right in uh, mail-in ballot as well, because frankly, they don't think they can secure uh, the vo- all the voting locations that you need around the state, um, which are largely manned. If, if and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have participated in this process, a lot of them are manned by folks who are uh, retired and, yes. and working. You know, they get some stipend for the day, but uh, a lot of people who are, let's say, overrepresented in the most vulnerable communities. And it's not clear even by the time June comes around that, number one, you'll be able to get people to do that in the current environment and whether you'll be able to get the the, um, resources necessary to secure it. So the state board uh, voted to recommend uh, that the June vote be the the primary vote uh, be mail-in as well. And there's some real questions as to whether they can do that. There's some folks, again, folks who represent folks with disabilities who say you have to have some type of in-person voting requirement, um, and it's a big mess, one of many mm. that's come out of this crisis, to be sure. I, I guess, and I don't know who would rule on this, would the would the state Supreme Court rule on this potentially? Could the governor go to the state Supreme Court to try to get some sort of exception or or get a, an interpretation? Is, is that how that might go? Well, 
uh, <laughs> um, the Court of Appeals, they haven't changed the name yet, though they're in the process of doing that. We could do a whole segment on that. Okay. Uh, the Court of Appeals certainly could uh, make some sort of ruling if there's a challenge. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately the, the state board's going to make a recommendation and it's going to have to be adopted. I don't know if the legislature is going to have to get involved in that uh, process. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I think between the, I, th I think the state board and ultimately the legislature and the governor can decide the method of that. If there's some legal challenge, then the courts can get involved uh, and decide that. And one of the exceptions to their, uh, to Judge uh, Chief Judge Barbara's order uh, regarding the closing of the courts is to deal with election type issues. So the courts are certainly available and and open for that purpose. Um, so it's, you know, I'm not sure the governor's focused on that right now. Mm -hmm. um, no, I'm sure he's not. Right. Yeah, but that's something that's going to have to get worked out. And if the legislature comes back in May, maybe that's something real quickly they'll have to deal with. Sure. Um, but I think the Board of Elections can probably uh, ultimately make a decision. And if there's a challenge, the courts can deal with it. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah. Let me ask you this. It, it, let's just hypothetically say there is a vote, but it's via mail-in. Do you think that that increases the potential? And again, we're talking, of course, about registered voters here. But does that increase the amount of participation uh, as compared to having to show up somewhere in person? Or do you think it, it remains the same or maybe it's worse because maybe people just aren't aren't focused on it? Well, what are your thoughts? Well, there's we actually have data on this. And, of course, this year is unique, and we're talking about a – a June primary election uh, in a presidential election year where the, where the presidential primaries are largely decided. So you're probably not going to have large turnout anyway, mm -hmm. especially with the dates been put off. Uh, but we have data from other states about mail-in. It hasn't, it hasn't tremendously altered. You know, it's like early voting and other things. The, the, the argument is always that this, this will expand turnout and increase turnout. And it turns out what it really does is the same people generally vote, yeah. and now they just you know vote by mail instead of uh, showing up early on election day. Um, it, it doesn't really expand it or diminish it. It'll be interesting to see in this environment if people are even focused or care about voting. Well, one thing it changes most dramatically, uh, and this is something else we talked about at Red Maryland. It changes the way candidates campaign. Yeah, um, certainly. You can't you can't knock on doors now. Uh, you know, you're really limited in the way that you can communicate with voters, even though they seem to have time to be able to maybe do that. Um, but it, it's tough. And, and running an election, running a campaign where everybody's voting uh, by mail, you change the way you go out and get votes and collect those and, and do all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it's a big change to make what's going to ultimately be a last minute decision, it looks like. Yeah. Let me ask you this of registered voters again that we're talking about with the fact that government, especially now, is at the forefront of our lives with this situation. Do you believe, though, that this situation changes people's minds one way or the other on their view of government, their view on certain politicians? I think we'll have to see long term. In the short term, it doesn't seem to have done it. But long term, especially when we start d dealing with the economic fallout of this, right. I, I think I think when this is over, and we don't know when it's going to be over, and that's going to have a big impact on how bad the fallout's going to be. Um, I, I think the folks who are in charge when we come out of this, and if we have thirty percent unemployment, and 
and you know the worst contraction in, in economic activity in the history of the country, and it doesn't just turn right back on the way some some politicians are suggesting it will. Uh, I think anybody in power is going to be very, very unpopular. Greg, given the amount of residents that have federal jobs, will it be easier in your mind for Maryland to recover once things get back up to normal as compared to another state uh, where the private sector is the uh, dominant employment force? Yeah, probably. Uh, and the governor and, and the governor's doing it to kind of leverage to get some additional resources. Uh, that's part of why he's doing it. But it's talking about protecting that federal workforce. You know, the governor, one of the main things Governor Hogan ran on was expanding the private sector mm-hmm. in the state. You know, one of the things he ran for reelection was, you know, during his administration, the economy created 120,000 new jobs. Uh, we're going to get some unemployment numbers uh, later this morning. We may have we, we may have half of those jobs already evaporated in this, uh, and that 120,000 may be gone if this goes on through the end of April and May. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, the folks who are still going to have jobs uh, come the time that this is over are going to be folks who work for the federal government. I think there's going to be some fallout in state and local governments as budgets. I mean, there was a report today in the Baltimore Sun about the deficit that the city of Baltimore is dealing with. So I don't think those folks that, are all... That's not news. That's, uh, that's every yeah. year. Yeah, well, it's... And the well, state has yeah. to bail them out, so... Yeah, that's... Well-run city. Uh, the state <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, look, the governor mentioned on Monday during his press conference that this is going to blow up the state budget. It's going to be a mess. The state's not going to be in a position to really help people out. The little bit that they're doing tapping into the rainy day fund, that stuff's not going very far to deal with the, the widespread economic disruption that we're seeing. That's right. And, and um, you know, revenue is going to be way down. This is going to be a real problem. It's going to take a long time to climb out of. The one thing I'll say, though, Greg, it may quash Kerwin, and that's not a bad thing. Well, it, it probably will, but... <laughs> You know, it's gonna it's it's gonna be real tough to get out of, and and hopefully, hope again. I mentioned this before, and I keep saying this. Hopefully, the folks in the bunker with the governor, and it really is kind of a bunker mentality that that they have right now. I, I hope they're keeping this in mind where they're making these decisions, because um, you know those are going to have not only an economic toll but a human toll as well. But to your point, you're right. It'll be a little easier. Uh, we won't be hit as hard as some other states because we have that federal workforce, because we have more of a white-collar workforce. Uh, but, you know, if you're a blue-collar worker in Maryland, this this thing's going to hit you a lot harder than everybody else. That's just the reality of it. All right, RedMaryland.com, RedMaryland on Facebook and Twitter. Greg, thank you as always. Stay well. We'll talk next Thursday. You too. Take care. Right, thanks.